We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and on top of all of that, will help get your show pushed to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're wanting to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com forward slash join check out the description box in this episode for more information but that's bwhustle.com slash join How to predict breakout players and who will they be? That's what we've been talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. And we have an awesome guest this week. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards Per Gretsch. You can find my Substack at bengretsch.substack.com. I'm joined as always by the awesome Sean Siegel. You can find all his work at Rotoviz. And we are also joined this week by one of the absolute goats, my probably one of my absolute favorite fantasy analysts, the, the guy that knows. All, the most ridiculous stats. I, I love reading your work. and It is Rich Rebar, uh, who's over at Sharp Football Analysis. You can get all of his work up until this week has been free over there. You can get all of that still free. They've started the the, the subscription stuff from here on out. Um, he had an awesome article last week about wide receivers and tight ends and looking at high-value high, high value targets, the downfield stuff, the end zone stuff, the red zone targets. I really enjoyed that one. Rich, how are you doing? What's going on, guys? I don't know how I'm going to live up to that intro, but uh, yeah, you guys are also some of my favorites. Uh, obviously, you know, Gretch, the, the the RB dead zone has taken full course this offseason. Uh, so, you know, I believe that you get the official credit for that. And if not, we're going to give it to you anyways. Uh, and, you know, obviously, Sean, you know, back in the days of being in the old Rotoviz email threads. And, you know, I don't get to do a lot of stuff with Sean anymore, but I love that he's on so many more podcasts now than uh, he used to be and his voice is out there. And he's the sharpest dude because he's not on Twitter. It's the sharpest <laughs> play anyone's made. I mean, it, by just not being on Twitter. Uh, I think about that every day, like how I, how I should have played that and what I should have followed your lead. 
Well, Rich, it's awesome to have you on the show. And this is a real treat for me because I believe that on this show, I get to interact with the two guys in the entire fantasy community who are the legends of weekly analysis. And obviously, Rich, known for the worksheet, known for uh, maybe the most famous article in all of fantasy football. And yeah, his work was free up until this week, but uh, I mean, subscribe to Sharp Analysis. I mean, that's one of the best sites you can possibly have a subscription to. So Rich, we're gonna jump right in with the questions here and start with this idea of how do we find breakout players? How do we find the 2022 first rounders and own them today when they're still a little bit less expensive? You're also famous for some articles that you've done kind of on this concept in the past and player ages, how much emphasis do you place on a player's trajectory when you're fitting him into your draft strategy? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of a, a mixed bag with a with a little nuance because if you look at it from an age curve stance, you know we're often suggesting that we can predict, you know, changes in a player's you know career production well into the future. Uh, it did uh, an ancient article that you kind of alluded to uh, in my road of his days. I believe it was in 2015. Uh, I have a I have children younger than that article now, which is pretty crazy. We're, we're pretty old. Uh, but, the, you know, the prototypical age curve will kind of show that the majority of high scoring players, you know, come in the prime of their careers. Not a surprise. You know, wide receivers younger than 30, typically in that strike zone, 24 to 27, running backs younger than 28. Um, and then when you factor that in, it's important to kind of note that there is a survivorship bias, though, as well, that you have to account for, too. Uh, you don't get many players on third contracts in the NFL, period. And if you do get a third contract in the NFL, it's typically because you were good. Uh, you know, if you're still playing at age 30 plus, you're probably proven to be good and have been still good in the most recent season. There are a couple exceptions there. Uh, but, you know, if we're doing stuff on just an age curve, um, you know, from a 10,000 foot view, it'll say draft younger players because they are more likely to ha have a spike season to help you win your leagues, older assets, you know, past the curve, kind of have asymmetrical downside. Uh, but if you're looking at a model that is looking at like success and predictability on players with that survivorship bias and that are in that bucket, uh, you'll acknowledge that, you know, outcomes are far less predictable. And we will kind of suggest that a guy can dramatically bust uh, at any moment for a time player, you just, you just die off, you know, very few uh, NFL careers are like in like a flight on an airplane where they go up and they come down. It's typically you hit a wall and you're done. You know, they often look like AJ Green did last season uh, or something like Des Bryant, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know, I don't want to say Todd Gurley's a little more injury reduced, but you get the point I'm saying. It, it just happens. You, you're productive until you're not. Um, you know, ironically, in the same kind of light of that survivorship bias coin, um, Adam Harstead posted something on the latter point, uh, way back in 2015 as well at footballguys.com. And it kind of resurfaced on his thread recently. He called his the mortality tables, uh, which kind of is um, at, at the, the brass tax level. As you look at player ages and, you know, a coin flip of heads, they continue to be productive, uh, becomes more and more weighted towards the tail side of, you know, a player hitting the wall and the, just, like I said, disappearing. Uh, but each flip is still an independent event, you know, with the, you know, with a coin flip, the best we can do is hope to accurately estimate the rate of each outcome. Uh, so, I mean, we use age curves uh, to make general and structural approaches that will obviously lean towards adding more of a dynasty career trajectory path on our team builds. But at the end of the day, we still do have to take things presented on a case by case basis um, uh, when we're still kind of factoring in, you know, age and career arcs. But uh, yeah, that's kind of a long winded way of saying, you know, Hey, uh, case by case, uh, but young guys still matter a lot. 
I, I really like that, and particularly because it's, I, I think, maybe a little more nuanced than, than Sean and I might have been. But I, I think then you have to consider also cost, right, which is really important. And, and I know you're not just not considering, but one of the, the big points we made on one of our earlier episodes this week was basically not to overpay for past production because the fall off potential is there. And you have to start paying this huge premium. You know, one guy I know Sean threw out as an example is like Austin Eckler. It was great to get him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Now we, we have to pay a huge premium and there might be a little bit more downside risk there. So obviously when you can hit on these guys that are breaking out for the first time, you're getting them at a lot cheaper of a price, which is really nice. And that's sort of what we're really focused on. Uh, how, how do you determine whether you think that a player is sort of ascending or descending? You said that everyone is sort of a weighted coin flip. But is there is there an element that that leads you to 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 make that decision beyond just the case by case basis? Yeah, I think there's multiple avenues again, uh, not to just hedge answers here, but there is a little nuance here. You know, the layup is a player that has done nothing but consistently improve yearly, kind of going back to when he started playing amateur pro football. I mean, a, a player like that right now is AJ Brown. Every year he's played football, you go back to Old Miss, he's gotten better every single year up into the state, and we still haven't seen uh, the best season from him what a perceived capability stance. I would think all three of us would agree. Like He's capable of still being better than he was uh, in totality. He was year one and year two. Uh, also outside of you know collegiate pedigree and, and you know, kind of draft capital is uh, what a team is telling you about a player, uh, clearing out even more opportunities for a player. You know, a recent example is uh, you know Calvin Ridley. Now the Atlanta Falcons have moved on from Julio Jones. They've asked him to be their alpha wide receiver. Uh, he's due a big contract. They're basically saying that th this receiving core is in your hands now. Uh, Austin Eckler was like that last season, like you alluded to. He got the contract extension over Melvin Gordon. They let Gordon walk. Even this offseason, they still really have not brought in a lot of competition for him. The only guy they drafted was Larry Roundtree. He didn't bring in a veteran. Uh, so they're still telling you that like that this is still – he still is our, our guy and there's room to grow because obviously we missed a chunk of time last year. Um, I also like to look at uh, areas of strength and weakness uh, from a prospect. And if uh, any of those perceived question marks were kind of removed or answered any degree in a player's young career, uh, a player uh, like Antonio Gibson comes to mind. You know, we had no true clue Antonio Gibson was going to respond entering the NFL uh, last season. Uh, 33 career carries at Memphis. Uh, then we had no idea transitioning to running back. Yeah, the size is here. The athletic profile is here. Can he actually be? an NFL running back on early downs. And that's really all he did. He actually did the inverse of kind of what we all thought he would do. Um, just uh, really an early down grinding back. Didn't really play in passing uh, down situations at all. Um, and, but we know that that isn't a question for him moving forward. He answered the one question we wanted answered. Uh, so we know that there's a lot more upside when all this thing kind of congeals together and he gets the opportunity to run more pass routes, be involved in pass pro, not come off the field. He answered that hurdle. Um, it wasn't a complete one versus one, but Jonathan Taylor is in the same boat as that last year. I mean, caught 36 of 39 targets last year. And it wasn't just him not getting targeted at Wisconsin. He was legitimately, it was a, a legitimate question mark. He dropped eight of his 50 targets in Wisconsin. Like it was would it would this be a problem in the NFL? Would he fall into like Derrick Henry type usage and have capped upside? He answered the question. Nadim Hines is still there to kind of cap the overall kind of ceiling that he could probably run into later in his career. But he answered a, a question that we legitimately wanted answered, and he answered it right away. Um, so those are kind of the things that I look for when talking about like younger players and on a trajectory to keep sending. Rich, we know that fantasy owners are understanding these elements a little bit better and we're seeing some more efficient markets in terms of where old players are going in drafts, where first and second year players are going in drafts. 
how efficient do you think the market is now with this idea of breakout and collapse? And then to kind of put some names on it at the end, I'm going to put you in the spotlight or the hot seat and ask you to give us three guys who you think could be 2022 first round picks, but obviously are not going in that range today. Yeah, I, I still think the market is, I mean, it's getting better. I've done like these ADP studies yearly and it, we keep getting more accurate at setting ADP, which is great because it just speaks on the amount of information everyone's consuming and how seriously people are, are playing. But we still also do know something you guys alluded to. I mean, fantasy this time of year just, just eats its own tail. I mean, we are so glommed on to what happened like last season and past, you know, success. And a lot of that still gets priced into so many players um, often. And, you know, I write a lot of team regression pieces, you know, it's how Lamar Jackson, people end up being disappointed in him because he takes a step back last year when, you know, Hey, you, you drafted like the QB one and he's still a top 10 quarterback, but you know, the expectations don't quite meet, you know, Josh Allen's now in that same boat. You have a team that scored on 55% of their possessions, uh, punted at the lowest rate in, in league history. Uh, there's going to be some team regression there. That's going to trickle down through Josh Allen's stats. But you know, if he goes to the QB one and turns into QB six season, people are going to feel like they felt with Lamar Jackson at the end of last year. Um, so it's still, there's still room to grow uh, definitely on the age perspective, just because when you fall off, you, you just collapse. Like you said, it's not like if, if one of these younger guys has a ceiling that we're not so expecting. We, so Joe Mixon's a great example, right? Joe Mixon's still here. We're, we're still selling Joe Mixon and buying him as a, as a top 15 running back. Uh, RB1 potential. Uh, he hasn't gotten there yet. We still see in his future. But when one of these old guys hits a wall, they they brick a season. I mean, it's it, the drop is going to be multiple rounds. It's going to be precipitous. Uh, so there, that stuff isn't really factored in. I mean, it, you know, no one wants to talk about it because – I don't really think he busts unless it's uh, through injury. But I mean, listen, Travis Kelsey is kind of in no man's land right now. Uh, the, the offense is set up for him to keep continuing to eat. We believe in Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying fade him, but listen, man, going on age 32, uh, he's not. He hasn't been on the he's been on the injury report once in the last five years. Like that's pretty lucky too. He's run hot in that department. Like you just never know, man. It's one of those things. Um, and you said what the, the back half was just try to predict like some guys that will be in the first round. Is that what it was? Yeah, hit us, hit us with your 2022 first-round sleepers. Yeah, so I think the most obvious guy compared to where he goes to now is uh, Travis Etienne, uh, just where he goes in drafts. He's like basically floating around like RB25. Uh, he really has a lot of oscillation in drafts. Uh, but when you think about what guy, players that get elevated the first rounds, right, if we're looking down the future, I mean, this is a Camarian type of player. I mean, he was bigger than we all thought he was going to be. Uh, he catches passes. He's a game breaker. Uh, he improved as a pass catcher every season at Clemson. He led all running backs last season in receiving yards. He had 48 catches. Uh, he's the most explosive uh, runner out of the top of this class. He's got that, that, that just great nose for the end zone. He's at least one touchdown in 46 of his 55 collegiate games. 24 of his touchdowns came from outside the red zone, 17 from 40 yards or longer. If it wasn't for James Robinson being in the way, his ADP would be higher. Um, but we know that James Robinson, you know, kind of, we've seen these guys, I don't want to knock on James Robinson because he's a great story and I was high on him last year, but we've seen it with Philip Lindsay. We've seen it with Thomas Rawls. I mean, these, these guys that come out of nowhere, um, they have a little bit of regression. You've got a first round draft pick that checks every single box that we kind of look for. It's, it's basically going to be a run first offense too. I know that Herb runs the spread and they brought in like guys like their bevel and stuff, but this is going to be like that shotgun power run game. And I look at Travis Etienne and he's a guy that definitely cannot kick his coverage and he's going to fit like that career trajectory. If he has a monster year, 
he's just going to shoot right up the board. Like Kamara did when he was a rookie, when he was drafted with Adrian Peterson, who they released uh, or traded in, in that season. They had Mark Ingram. He was a little bit kind of buried in ADP and then ends up popping. Uh, I'd see a lot of uh, career paths that, that overlap uh, with Travis Etienne. He was a better prospect than Kamara as well. Um, Another guy too, and not to just keep laying out rookies, but I really think Kyle Pitts, man. I don't know like where you guys are and that like, hedging or just having a foot in, but this kid's—he's not even gonna be 21 years old until October. He is the Calvin Johnson of tight end prospects, and we've seen kind of the enlightenment of if you have an elite tight end, what this can do from a positional, positional leverage stance uh, in terms of Travis Kelsey, even Darren Waller. Like I believe that Kyle Pitts can hit the ground and have a season just like Darren Waller, you know, had, he has more competition in terms of targets in terms of a, and a potential alpha and Calvin Ridley, but there's no one else there. Uh, this guy, since 2000, he ranks first in collegiate uh, final season, first in touchdowns per game, uh, second in receiving yards per game, 15th in receptions per game. Uh, his 17.9 yards per catch are the highest among all prospects uh, entering the L 40, 40 more uh, catches in their final collegiate season. 28% of his catches were touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this guy checks every single box. People are just kind of hedging because of the rookie tight end thing, but this isn't a prototypical rookie tight end. Played just 55% of his career snaps in Florida in line. Uh, I think he's really going to be a guy that, you know, has more upside early than not and doesn't struggle as much as a lot of people in this boat have. And then um, the other guy uh, is CeeDee Lamb. I mean, I, I mean, it's just the, the, the natural evolution of Michael Gallup is in a contract year. They could get out of Amari's contract, but I don't really see, think that they'll force that if they don't have to. He'll still only be, what, 27, 28 next year. Um, but just complete dominator uh, prospect uh, CeeDee Lamb was. Number one wide receiver in my class last year, uh, right ahead of Justin Jefferson. And then you look at his growth in year two, uh, last year, he only ran uh, 7% of his routes, not inside the slot. And because of that, it caused him to only run a route on 72% of the Dallas Cowboy dropbacks. That was 43rd among wide receivers. Uh, that's, there's going to be a massive growth in year two. And that could just be because of COVID. They wanted him to get acclimated to the NFL, excel at one position before putting too much on his plate. But they've already kind of hinted that they want to get him on the field more and use him more. And obviously, all the clips don't help that people have been, you know, seeing in the, the early week of camp. But uh, those would be the three guys that I would say have, have the best shot of getting into round one that aren't there this year. I, I just have to say that we are recording this before our other uh, episodes this week have released. So Rich has not had a chance to hear them if, if he had intended to. But yeah, you're speaking our language very much with those picks. Uh, you mentioned Kelsey. Did you already give us our uh, – we wanted to ask you about three players that are being selected in the first two rounds that you believe might be selected outside the first five rounds next year. You, you mentioned Kelsey might be one. Did you give us the other two? Well, I, I, I don't think Kelsey busts unless it's due to injury. Like I, I have a hard time believing he just flatlines this year because the way the Chiefs are constructed and the way teams defended the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs uh, faced the highest amount of two high safeties in the NFL last year. And that took an already great player like Travis Kelsey, who already was the tight end one the previous four years. And played right into his hands. I mean, you look at Chuck, look at Kelsey's game log, the amount of targets and, and catches he had, because teams just didn't want to give up anything big to the Chiefs. Uh, so it really played into his hands, uh, and they didn't really add anything this year. So I still think he's going to be leaned on. It really only his injury is really the only way I say he really flops. Uh, I would put the, the him just flatlining in a talent perspective. I would still give that a little more runway. Um, I'll say out of guys that are going up there now, uh, the one guy, a couple guys stand out. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the guy that stands out. Uh, last year, 12.5% uh, of his PPR points came via touchdown production. That was the lowest rate of all top, top 12 scores last season. He really lived on just catching a lot of passes. 
Um, but his touchdown output has now sagged the past two seasons. Uh, he, after scoring 13 and 11 times over 27, 2018, he's had uh, just 17th and expected red zone points last year. Uh, he was 43rd in actual points scored in the red zone. Uh, I see that like he's more, more of these, like the big wide receivers that are like Hopkins build. I don't think that they age as gracefully uh, as some of the other players. When they hit that age apex, we're talking about age curves. I do think a lot of these bigger contested catch guys, tend to slow down at a more rampant rate. We've seen that, I think, with A.J. Green last year, right? The separation disappears. The production starts to disappear, and quarterbacks not willing to throw tight windows. You can't get easy catches. So he's a guy that stands out to me as potential to be a guy that disappoints. They add Rondell Moore. I think he's going to be involved right away. They add that ghost of A.J. Green to maybe take some targets away too. But uh, I would look at him. Uh, a couple other guys that stand out, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, just if you're saying offense, because it's a make-or-break year for him. Like If he doesn't hit this year, I think that – They'll go and either add some more competition to the fold here or fantasy owners just aren't going to buy that again. Uh, he's a guy that really needs to kind of have that bounce back near the goal line. And the Chiefs kind of uh, the way they target running backs is kind of a misconception. You know, everyone when he got drafted there, everyone was like, Andy, in the Andy Reid system, he's going to be so good that this, this guy's the best pass catcher in, in, in all the prospects. And but if you look at the Chiefs, especially under Patrick Mahomes, he's targeted running back just 18% of the time, well under the, the league baseline rate. They've been middle of the pack and targeting their running backs um, uh, under Andy Reid. Just twice in Andy Reid since he's joined Kansas City, uh, they had a running back average four catches per game or more. Uh, so you're looking for more uptick there. And then obviously the scoring problem, uh, you know, that he had last year converting just two of 10 carries inside the five. And it's not just the the fact that he got unlucky early in the season. And then it's the fact that the Chiefs saw that and completely changed how they called plays inside the five. You know, the rest of the season, he had just six of the next 22 team touches inside the five. They start running a lot of jet motion. They start doing a lot of different things inside the five instead of just power football. Maybe with their offensive line changes, that allows him to kind of, uh, you know, tilt the tides in year two in that boat. But we've seen a lot of guys of his size, coaches just move away from that. Like we talked about Austin Eckler earlier, uh, you know, when he's losing carries to Kalen Balazs inside the five, these coaches see these 205-pound guys, and not everyone's Christian McCaffrey, and every coach is willing to lean into that. So he's kind of there. Um, and then I would say just out of the guys that are going there, I'm high on Nashi Harris, but if, like, if he doesn't do well, he would be a guy that would fall into like that strike zone of just like his drop would be a lot more significant if he doesn't hit in year one. So like, those would be kind of the, the three guys that I'd be looking at in that strike zone of guys that go in the first and second round to kind of be more, have more probability to kind of like super dip next year. When you say you're high on Najee, are you saying like you're targeting him in drafts? Like what's the pro case for him? Oh, I think the pro case is pretty easy. Just, just the volume, and he's he checks all the boxes, right? He's he's a pass catcher. Uh, the only backs 225 pounds or are, are, are larger that in their final season to catch more passes than him were Saquon Barkley and Steven Jackson uh, since 2000. So we know he's going to be used in the passing game. He's got that capability. Touchdowns are going to be there because if you look at both guys last year, so the Steelers were like the worst rushing team in the NFL last year, and they were the year before too. But the one thing that they had is both guys, Benny Snell and James Conner, combined had oodles of money touches your trap touches that you, you like that those guys they they were so far under expectation of performance and that could be another thing that's tied to offensive line play that the Steelers had last year but they the Pittsburgh running backs were used in the red zone and inside the five heavily so if he can get that kind of usage to roll over too while catching passes and then just never coming off the field uh, I think that's the pretty strong bull case for him uh just given his archetype and you know you don't, he's kind of the firewall, right? Like who after him 
is are we projecting to fully play like three downs you know where he goes uh so i mean he's kind of the firewall of those guys but uh i am a more on the pro side of Najee, but i can definitely see like if the offensive line doesn't play it well this team the game script doesn't line up and they're forced to throw more you know he doesn't hit or doesn't score as many touchdowns you know people are going to be like oh you know they'll do the david montgomery thing or like you know stuff like we did with uh todd Gurley, or not todd Gurley, uh levion Le'Veon was the guy that sagged uh, in year two and then just bounced back and was like phenomenal. Um, but I am pro Najee though. Mitch, those are great answers for both the followers and the risers. Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We focused on who the superstars are going to be. Do you have some picks for us for guys who maybe are in that round 9, 10, 11 range who could jump five rounds? Maybe first round in 2022 isn't realistic, but are going to make a huge impact and be a completely different area of the draft next year. Uh, yeah, there's a number of guys. I mean, obviously we do this with wide receivers every year, right? Like the, the reason the RB, the RB dead zone created like the, the wide receiver spike zone, right? Like the DK Metcalfs of the world. Uh, there's kind of some symmetry in how this has all worked out. Um, a couple guys stand out to that go like way lower. Like I'll just say like, uh, like Elijah Moore stands out as a guy that like we would just value totally differently at this time next year. You know, he's got a rookie quarterback that got Jamison Crowder there this year that people are kind of like, is he in the way they just signed Mike, uh, Corey Davis. We don't really know exactly what the system's going to be with, you know, um, Matt LaFleur's like first season, like really calling plays. We know what the offense is going to look like. Um, 
but DJ are not DJ Moore, Elijah Moore is one of the most decorated, you know, prospects to really enter the NFL. Uh, he kind of for 36% of the Mississippi receptions last year, which was second in his class, 35% of the receiving yards that was sixth. But his 149.1 receiving yards were the most per game of any power five player in his final season entering the NFL. Uh, he only played eight games last year, but it was also the most of any SEC player. Uh, through that point of any collegiate season either through eight games. So if you just want to say the condensed season, if you had played five more games, it would have lowered his average. Even just through the eight games of any season in SEC history, he averaged more receiving yards per game than any other player. So he's a guy I think that would jump. Uh, the other guys I think are kind of circumstantial, like A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, something like an injury or something can open those guys up. Trey Sermon potential, Chase Claypool, another guy, uh, Jerry Judy, Michael Gallup might be on a new team and be elevated from a – tertiary lid popper wide receiver three that needs kind of one of these guys like lamb or cooper out of the lineup to get a bunch of targets he could be uh the hottest you know free agent pickup next year so those kind of all guys are on the list of of guys if you're in a keeper league and they count like for the round you drafted him in or they go up one round or whatever like those were guys i would be looking to kind of acquire especially at their adps now because i think they all will be significantly higher next year that's awesome stuff um i I want to ask, like, are, are there like other ways that you try to make asymmetric bets in draft? You mentioned sort of this concept of trying to make asymmetric bets, and, and we talk a lot about that. And, and also, as you as you're kind of going through that, I, I want to know uh, some of the the big targets that you got out of that high value target piece that, that you wrote recently. Who are some guys that you were really interested in at wide receiver and tight end? Well, if we're talking asymmetric upside, it's you just have to draft early round running backs, right? <laughs> see see if i can get something out of sean there but uh i think when you're talking about a- asymmetric upside i mean there's really nothing tried and true like year two wide receivers right like you don't have to like any of these guys i can tell you right now that like as a in my prospect model and as like an analyst i really didn't like michael Pittman or jalen Rigor. But, uh, I mean, why not take these guys where they're going? Henry Ruggs, where he's going. Michael Pittman, where he's going. Uh, why not to shoot shoot on these guys? Uh, they're going in, like, the wide receiver five or later zone. If you miss on one of these guys, there's really – the downside doesn't hurt you. Uh, but if they were to hit, and especially, like you said, if you're in these keeper leagues, uh, you catch one of these breakouts. I mean, all these guys are still going to be involved in their offense because they're – Draft capital is invested into him. Nothing's really gotten in their way except for Rigor adding, you know, Devontae Smith. That's like the probably the one exception. But Rugs still nothing else there. They even lose their best target in the offseason. Uh, Michael Pittman is still just fighting the targets for T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell. Um, we might have a little quarterback news with Michael Pittman, though, if this Carson Wentz thing that kind of came out today is on the negative side. We definitely don't want him catching passes from Jacob Eason or, or Sam Ellinger. Um, LaVisca Chenault is in that boat. I know you guys are all Chenault guys. Uh, but, yeah, the, you're two wide receivers, man. It's it's as easy as it gets. Or it's exciting to hear that because in our draft we just did with Davis – we have both Elijah Moore, who you mentioned as a big jumper, and Henry Ruggs, who is an interesting speculative play at that point. Do you like those guys compared to, say, a Russell Gage in the same range? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, my thing with Russell Gage is, and I'm actually picking up Russell Gage or trying to in the league me and Chan are in right now in this auction league, this kitchen sink floor league, uh, just because I need bodies, like just serviceable bodies at wide receiver to wait for some of my young guys to pop. 
But when I look at Russell Gage and the strike zone where he's going, he's a guy that's going to beat his ADP. I would bet on him beating his ADP. But when people always use beating ADP as a context of value, I mean, it's just it's such a false lead. Uh, I don't see a lot of upside for him helping you win weeks. He's just kind of a glue guy and get you through in bye weeks if you run into that touchdown when he's in your lineup. Uh, but he's a guy, too, that is going to be asked to win a lot more outside. I mean, Arthur Smith is coming over and bringing in a system that is going to ask Russell Gage to not play strictly in the slot anymore. They're going to run a lot more. Uh, two tight end sets uh, with Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be in the slot in a lot of situations too, like we alluded to earlier. Uh, so he's going to be asked to win outside, and he really hasn't done that in the NFL yet. Um, his his yards per out run are not very exciting for the small sample that he's had outside. Now there's room for him to grow, and I want to knock him for something he truly hasn't done yet. But I also just don't see a lot of like the, the upside if you were to run into one of these other guys that hit. And then Russell Gage also, final year of his contract. Falcons are playing this wrong. If they truly believe Russell Gage – can be in the role he's in this year. Why not give him like a a, a a half step extension now? Because now if he pops, what do you you're, you're left holding the bag on a team that's uh, cash strapped again because their their cap situation is so poor moving forward. They'll lose one of their another asset in this offseason because they didn't have the foresight to do like what the Raiders did with Darren Waller. Rich, we need some tight end options for all over the da- draft for breakouts. Uh, you, you draft with a friend and you find out that they're on the exact opposite tight end group that you are on. Give us some of these main conclusions from the great work that you've done recently on this topic. Well, I think when you're looking at just like a target value stance and where he is on the depth chart, uh, don't be scared. I would not be scared of like any coach speak from Irv Smith. I mean, his usage so far in his early career is really promising. I mean, he leads all tight ends, uh, in this, in the article I did, in percentage of targets coming inside the red zone at 22%, there have been the whispers that you know his role is not going to truly grow because of something named Tyler Conklin uh, is going to be a thorn in his side. Um, but when you look at Tyler Conklin's career and Irv Smith in this sample of their careers, it's a no contest. In two NFL seasons, Irv Smith has nine targets inside of the 10-yard line. He has nine end zone targets. Tyler Conklin has just two targets in the end zone in his career so far, and just two inside the 10-yard line. We listen when the bread's going to get buttered. Uh, it's going to be Irv Smith in that role. Adam Thielen is no way he's going to roll over what he did in the end zone last season. Uh, he set career highs uh, and he led all NFL and end zone targets last year, but it wasn't even just that he led in targets. The conversion rate on those targets was insane 65%. He converted 13 of them to his career prior. He had caught just 14 career touchdowns in the end zone. Um, so, I mean, there's going to be some recoil there for Adam Thielen. I think we'll see Justin Jefferson, his role be extended in the end zone area as well. But we already know that the player's already been good in that area, Serve Smith. And you look at this Vikings pass schedule, man, the front half of the season, it's so damn hot. Uh, it's, I mean, I would talked about like Kirk Cousins is the bridge guy. If you're waiting on Fields or Lance, like Kirk Cousins is like the perfect guy because of where he goes in terms of not sinking a lot of costs in the quarterback. But man, their opening schedule, like the for the first eight weeks, is so so good. They could be a team that plays in a lot more shootouts than we expected. So uh, I'm not buying any of this early coach speak on like Irv Smith really being a guy to have limitations on him. Uh, I still want to be ahead of the market on him. Well, that's perfect, and that's a guy Ben is on, and so we'll have to make <laughs> him more of a target in our drafts that are coming up. Rich, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, sort of take us out by telling the listeners what they can be looking forward to from you and just refresh them on exactly where they can find you, what they need to do. Yeah. Everything I've done this off season so far, sharpfootballanalysis.com. I've done over, you know, 70 free articles and, and you know, it's my stuff. It's not just all like player take stuff with you. Know, I'm trying to 
hand people fishing poles and not just hand out fish. Uh, try to teach people a little bit of how to play and structurally draft. Uh, we'll move into this next month uh, of content for subscribers. So I'll be creating out like my master draft plans, which are like the answers to the test type of things, which is what people buy subscriptions for in the first place. And then in season, you know, uh, the worksheet. And then, you know, it's every Sunday I have you have access to me where I'm hanging out with subscribers and we're setting our final lineup, setting DFS lineups in the whole nine. So, uh, you know, come on board and join us for the season. It's going to be the longest season ever. Uh, so come spend some time with me. Well, it's an absolute blast to have Rich on the show today. He did a fantastic job, as our guests have been in the habit of doing. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to Seedland Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel, and with me is Ben Gretsch, whom you can follow at Yards Per Gretsch. Make sure you follow Rich at Lord Reeves. We're going to have more episodes very soon, so subscribe to our feed to get those when they release. Please drop us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Until we chat with you again, keep drafting and we'll have updates on the Stealing Bananas contest very soon. JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details.